Hello, everyone. I'm Hannah Steinman, and welcome to The Peak Experience. This is the podcast that talks about the customer experience, the employee experience, and all of the different ways that those two things intersect. Um, I'm the president and CEO of Peak Support, and I'm here with my co-host, Jess Elgin. And Zach Goldstein, the founder and CEO of Public Rec. Welcome, Zach. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So Public Rec is a longtime client of Peak Support. Um, Actually, fun fact, the Public Rec account launched my second week at Peak Support. So we have the exact same tenure, which is a little bit over um, six and a half years, I think. Um, And um, we've grown together since then. So really excited to have Zach here on the show to talk about holiday scale. It's something that all e-commerce companies are thinking about right now as we head into the holidays. So Zach is going to share some of his wisdom from handling holiday scales and holiday volume um, over the last six plus years. So Zach, maybe you can start just by telling us what makes a great customer experience to you and to the public rec team. Um, Yeah, sure. Happy to talk about that. Uh, You know, I I think as we think about building public rec, we think about trying to build, you know, a premium brand. Um, And to us, that means, you know, a premium customer experience. Um, So um, we're very thoughtful in all the communication with the customer. Uh, We try to make it as easy as possible to, one, understand who we are as a brand and what we're selling, to digest the information on our website if you're shopping with us there. Um, And then kind of throughout, we're we're giving different touch points. If you have questions, you can chat on the site. You can send emails. Um, We try to respond to all emails within 24 hours. Uh, we, we try to, you know, try to put ourselves, I guess, in, in the seat of the customer. Um, and, you know, the customer's always right. That, that uh, phrase, you know, we try to hold true to that as much as possible. There are times when, you know, we can't always do something because, you know, it doesn't make sense, you know, at scale. And so, um, but for the most part, we're trying to kind of, you know, provide the easiest and smoothest way for a customer tra- to transact with us uh, and then get the product um, and then ultimately, you know, enjoy wearing the product and deliver a high quality product that we feel is differentiated. Can you talk a little bit just more about the Public Rec brand, the story behind it, um, the product line? Yeah, uh, we're a leisure apparel brand. Um, we started in 2015, we launched on a Kickstarter with just one product, uh, the all day, everyday pant. Uh, it was a nicer fitting pair of leisure pants, uh, basically an update to old baggy sweatpants. They come in a waist and an inseam size, so they fit better. Um, so the brand really started with, you know, this idea that, that I had in college and kind of out of college, often wearing baggy sweatpants, baggy sweatshirts, feeling like there wasn't a brand updating that type of clothing for men in particular. Um, Feeling like it was, you know, always ill-fitting, you know, an old cotton um, hoodie uh, with a college logo on it maybe. And so it was like, you know, how do you update that type of clothing for men, modernize it um, and, you know, still make it comfortable, but make sure it looks nice so you can wear it outside of the house, feel good about what you're wearing. Um, so we started by kind of updating men's sweatpants uh, and had a Kickstarter does well, start selling all the everyday pant on our site. Um, and then from there, you know, released more products that we thought really complemented the outfit um, and, and complemented our, our, our initially our guy who was going out their day, their day and now 
the, the woman customer as we've launched women's over the last few years. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, you know, how we thought about the brand. We're based in Chicago and we have a few stores now and we're in some retailers as well. Fantastic. That was one question I had um, was I know that in the last year or two, you guys have started to uh, flesh out your women's wear side of things. And I'm curious, as you've grown that brand, especially being such a prominent menswear company, uh, have you faced new challenges? And what has that looked like as you've kind of broadened your identity further? Yeah, I think, you know, we have, we kind of became known for kind of men's bottoms and men's pants and this all day, everyday type pair of pants. And so it was like, we started getting customer outreach from women who were already buying from the brand saying, you know, I'd like to try an all day everyday pant. Do you have a version for us? Um, and so I think that, you know, we had to put a lot of thought into, you know, how does this transfer over to women? Um, and so as we've launched the women's brand, we've kind of dialed in what's the right product market fit that we found for men's. How does it transfer? Um, and now we're really starting to see the traction in some of the more recent products that we've launched for women's, um, you know, gravitating more towards uh, lifestyle and, and what the woman wears outside of the house, um, which, you know, men and women experience clothes differently. And so it's just, you know, uh, making sure that whatever we're doing for men's transfer for, transfers over for women's. So let's jump in and talk about the holidays. So first of all, how important is the holiday season for Public Rack? Uh, very important. Um, because we are, I guess there's two main reasons, or three probably. Uh, you know, we're mainly a men's pants business. Uh, and so uh, when it's colder out, people are buying pants. And so summer slows down for us a bit. Uh, so as we get into the colder months, um, the product, you know, we sell more pants. Um, and then the holiday season as people are buying more, um, you know, we see about 40% of our volume come over, you know, a seven week period or so. Um, so we see a pretty significant uptick in revenue and traffic on the site over the holiday period. And what are the biggest challenges with that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because uh, the business needs to be able to, you know, Throughout the rest of the year, we're running a business that is smaller and has less volume going to the site. So, you know, there's less less customer support. There's less orders coming out. There's less orders to be fulfilled. Um, and, you know, it's just higher risk in terms of if something goes wrong, it goes wrong at a higher scale. Um, and so it's like pressure testing the business uh, throughout those, you know, seven or eight weeks. Um, so, you know, we're making sure that we've got uh, you know, the structure in place to support the scaled growth. And then it's, you know, once it starts to slow down, we have some returns that start to hit through January as people get their holiday gifts. Uh, we're kind of, you know, preparing for that on the customer support side. But then it's like, okay, are we, can do we have the cost structure to go back down to a smaller business? And then the cost structure to support going back up to a bigger business as we go to the next holiday season. What are some things that have gone wrong over the years? Um, the, the site is always tricky, uh, cause it's really hard to test, you know, how is the offer going to resonate or when should the offer be live? Um, how, how are customers experiencing the offer? Are we doing it in the most effective way where, oh, it makes sense and it's very clear. Um, and you can't, you don't really know, even if you test as much as you can, because 
everyone internally here, they understand the brand, they know the product, they know who we are, we're all very close to it. So getting some customer feedback on, okay, I'm going through the website and oh, this makes sense. I understand how the offer works. Oh no, why don't, you know, is it free shipping or uh, do I have to buy a certain amount or what is the threshold to get to a certain amount off? All those things that we're hoping would provide the right information and experience. You don't really know until, you know, you've got, you know, thousands of people coming to the site and it's, you know, multiple questions coming in, you know, this or that. Like, oh, we should have made it more clear or hopefully mm-hmm. we don't have a bunch of questions and it's kind of seamless and customers. Yeah. Are, do you get feedback ahead of time? Because I'm I'm just thinking about... Um, you know, how we would typically roll something like that out. We would, um, you know, if, if internally, you know, for example, we would, we would get feedback. We would reach yeah. out to a smaller group of customers, say, Hey, does this make sense? Um, so, cause, cause you do sometimes get in that myopic, uh, frame of mind where you've looked at something so many times, of course it makes perfect sense to you. Yeah. <laughs> I should say yes. Uh, we don't, I mean, we look at it internally through a bunch of different people. Uh, but like, even if, I mean, I don't know that we've ever shared it with friends and family. We could do that probably on a, a low risk way. Uh, but like going to deciding which customers are we going to share it with? Oh, our customer is going to share it with other customers in an unintended way. Um, do customers then feel like, you know, we're using them as some sort of reason? It's just like a different dynamic where it's like, you know, we're still, we still want every customer to kind of experience the brand the same way. Yeah. Um, so we don't we don't test it with customers that we don't know and say you know go through the site and right right yeah that, so, so, sure go ahead Jess kind of lends itself to a question I had um, which you've started to touch on which is just what are the things you know in preparation for Black Friday Cyber Monday things you can and cannot prepare for because I feel like you've touched on some of those things that are just like well we just can't really prepare but what are some things you can um, so. On the customer support side, working with Peak Support, uh, we spent a couple months ramping up the support team, bringing on um, new employees, training them up. And I shouldn't say I, I should say uh, the Peak Support team does that. Public Rec doesn't do that. Uh, we're fortunate to have, you know, good partners in you all. And so um, every year we have, you know, a six to eight week period where we're bringing on new agents every couple of weeks and training them up. Training them up. Uh, and then there's always work in advance of that of projecting demand um so you know how is the business done year to date what do we how many agents do we need per the tickets um and then from there okay how does it make sense to layer in additional agents what does the timing look like if we don't hit the demand that we forecasted what is our flexibility in terms of how many agents do we keep and uh, on our account uh and likewise if we over if you know we overestimate over if we don't if we underestimate the demand um you know, what does that mean in terms of turnaround time for our ability to answer customers? Um, or how quickly can we add more agents and get them trained up? Um, so customer support is certainly a, a big part of it. Um, the other part is our fulfillment center. Uh, we spent a lot of time, a similar exercise in terms of projecting out demand, um, thinking through, you know, how many additional orders do we think we'll have per day? How comfortable are we with, you know, when we would usually fulfill all, all our orders the next day if we're okay with them taking one extra day or two extra days based on the holiday season. Um, and then luckily our fulfillment center, they're a third-party fulfillment center. So they spend time training up the right people. Um, so that kind of those, you know, really three or four week period where it's super high volume uh, that we've got the support that we need. 
Um, and then it's like, you know, our team is just on high alert. Uh, everyone's around. Uh, we've spent a lot of time into making sure the website's functioning properly. People are monitoring the site, uh, you know, hourly. Um, yeah, I would say those are the types of things. How do you forecast demand? Because I know we work closely with you to take those forecasts and turn them into estimates for how many customer support agents we need. But um, I know there's an art and a science to actually forecasting what that demand is in the first place. Maybe it's more art than science. How do you do it? And um, talk about mistakes that you've made over the years, either over or under. I don't know what's the worst to be over or worst to be under. (laughs) Uh, They're both painful. I would say... uh... Honestly, I think over is is worse. Um, it's all you know matters at, at, at how much. Um, I, we think about demand in terms of so we look at year to date growth and what we're growing year over year. We start to think about do we think Q4 will be materially different year over year given the year to date growth? Are the reasons we think it'll be better or worse? Um, is the offer similar or not? Is the time period similar or not? Um, you know, are the products similar? Do we have new products launching? Um, and then, you know, we look at historical year-over-year growth from the previous years. Um, so those are a lot of things we think about. Um, and, and answering your question, you know, we have definitely gotten it wrong both ways. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to the second week of December and be out of a lot of our core and feel like we've, you know, left a lot of sales on the table. Alternatively, there are times when, we have over forecasted demand and, you know, we've got additional product that we need to sell through. Um, luckily, most of our product is core. We think of it as year long. We don't think of it as seasonal. And so we're able to kind of slow down future POs and continue to sell through the core without discounting it significantly. Um, but there have certainly been times where, you know, throughout COVID, people are buying a lot more active and, and casual. And so, you know, we're forecasting that we're going to sell X amount of joggers. Uh, and then, you know, coming out of COVID, people become, you know, they want to be a bit more formal. They, you know, they're going back to the office, they're traveling more. So, you know, what we saw kind of selling through COVID um, certainly shifted. Uh, and we didn't foresee that shift coming. And so, you know, we over-indexed in, in active um, products for us. And so, you know, that was something we had to work through and think about and but but similar to you know all of it is still core for us and we still think through like okay we just slow down some of these POs that we had planned for the future. Yeah. Tell me what are you expecting this year? What's uh, this is you know this has been an odd year economically. Um, what are you what are you thinking? What are you preparing for? Are you preparing for growth this year? Do you think it'll be less than last year? Yeah, we're expecting to grow. Uh, we've been growing year to date. It's it's been slower growth than last year for us. Uh, we still feel fortunate that we're growing, um, given kind of the market conditions. Um, there is certainly, you know, the fear of continued pressure on consumer demand. Um, we feel like, you know, we're at a premium price point, so our customers may be a bit more um, protected. Um, in terms of disposable income. And we think that, you know, we maybe have less pressure uh, in terms of demand for us. Um, But yeah, we're projecting to grow, uh, but not in a significant way, certainly this Q4, just kind of what we're seeing year to date. Um, Yeah, we're kind of cautiously optimistic, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I do know that Public Rec has raving fans. um, And I think, 
I'm curious about the development of new customers and, uh, you know, kind of pumping in love to your already existing customer base. And what does that look like for you? Because obviously all the everyday pants last a long time. They're really durable. They're great. Uh, but you want to keep people coming back. And so, uh, yeah, how do you, you know, kind of leverage those two different customer bases, new and returning? Yeah, it's a, it's a delicate balance. Um, I would say as the business has grown, we have a bigger repeat business. Um, and so, you know, customers, the typical customer journey for us is you find out who we are, uh, you come and you try a pair of pants. And fortunately for men, they tend to like the pair of pants and they're pretty loyal. And so they like buying the same product in different colors. So lots of our pants are offered in different colors. So, you know, they'll come and they'll, they'll try one pair of pants, like it and buy multiple colors of it. Uh, and then the other you know benefit that we have is that, you know, as you mentioned, people tend to really like the product and they talk about it when they get it. Uh, so they'll kind of, you know, tell family and friends about it and that able, you know, that helps drive new customer revenue for us. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think we're trying to be thoughtful in terms of how do we continue to come out with exciting products and new developments that keep the the existing customer, um, you know, loyal to the brand, excited about the brand. Um, and then alternatively, it's, you know, how do we continue to message the brand to new customers in a way that feels differentiated um, to kind of, you know, cut through the noise out there in the marketing world, um, the, the digital marketing world and, you know, what makes us better than the other brands out there? What makes this product different than the other ones out there? Um, yeah, it, it's a delicate balance and something we think through a lot. And then it's like, okay, what channels are we advertising in today? What new channels can we test at scale that we feel like will move the needle for us? Um, that'll either, you know, lend credibility to the brand or uh, introduce the brand to a new customer that we wouldn't reach otherwise. Um, yes, yeah, so those are some of the things we're thinking through. What are, what are some new channels that have worked for you this year? Um, have you had to alter your customer acquisition strategies and, you know, what's been successful? Yeah, we, we, we've, um, we've had success advertising on TV. Uh, that's something we've kind of been testing for the last year and a half or so. We're kind of scaling as we find success in it. Um, so that, that's been an exciting uh, new marketing channel for us. And then similarly, I think we've, we've had a lot of good success with direct mail. Um, that's something we've also, you know, been testing for the last couple of years or so and kind of scaled into it and, and as we see the return on it. Um, so, you know, sending more frequently um, and, and, you know, the content that's that's within the mailers, how many pages, do we have the product offering that's big enough to, you know, cover 12, 15 pages. Um, yeah, that's, those are two of the channels that we've kind of tested and scaled more into over the last year or so. I think a lot of clothing companies have discovered direct mail this year, just judging by the stack of catalogs on my <laughs> counter every single day. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I do look at them. I do look at them and I, yeah. I keep them and there's things, things that I want. It's interesting. It's like uh, people have talked a lot about how in the early DTC days, you know, it was all Facebook and Instagram and the new, you know, marketing channels, and now people are reverting back to, you know, sending mailers, advertising on TV, yeah. uh, doing their own brick and mortar stores, all of the kind of old yeah. ways to grow a brand. Yeah, yeah, because so. yeah, as the noise has grown on digital channels, they go right. back to companies go back to analog channels. How how are the digital channels performing for you? Facebook, Instagram, email, even. 
Yeah, uh, fortunately strong. Uh, yeah, it, it's still you know a significant portion of our marketing spend still drives the majority of our revenue. Um, yeah, email and, and and Facebook and Instagram and you know Google and YouTube and all those channels have been strong for us, and we're always kind of thinking how do we push the scale there and um, yeah, a big focus for our marketing team. I um I do remember the first time I ever saw a public rec ad on TV. I used to watch my alma mater TCU play football every week. Uh, had a great valiant run last year before getting pretty badly embarrassed in the national championship. Uh, we won't go into that, but uh, but I do remember being at my local sports bar and be like, oh my gosh, there's public rec. I know those guys. Uh, and and I'm curious, like you know, have any of your marketing efforts worked? Uh, for lack of a better term, too well and caused issues uh, on the back end with things like fulfillment. Has that ever been an issue? Uh, it, it, it has. It hasn't been over the last, you know, more recently, we feel like we've been, we're with a new fulfillment partner we joined a year and a half ago and they are you know, really good. Uh, and if anything, it takes maybe an extra day or two. Uh, if we have a big weekend um, or, you know, we don't plan for something that really, you know, drives a ton of traffic and revenue to the site. Um, prior to that, though, there were definitely times when, you know, an article would come out uh, or, or something like that where we hadn't planned for it, where it would drive a ton of demand to the site and it would uh, make fulfillment challenging. And, you know, there was, I want to say, a couple, you know, two or three Black Fridays ago, that was, there was a week or so where it took an extra week to fulfill orders. Um, just kind of given the demand that we didn't forecast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you do when that happens? When um, it's the holiday season, people are waiting for their packages, there's a time deadline, they need to get it, and you're a week late. What do you do to you know, ensure those customers are you know, hopefully happy at the end of their experience, not unhappy? Yeah, uh, it's uh, you know, a lot of stress, uh, pulling out my hair. Um, going for sprints. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, what we do is we so, so we we have a discussion internally of you know should we communicate this to the customer because there's a part of it where it's like if we alert the customer prematurely or you know it's still going to be fine. Have we made a problem that wasn't there and vocalized it? And then it's like okay, now we've got even more de customer demand coming in. Of, Oh, I need, I need to cancel my order or I need this or this needs to be expedited when it would have been okay. So first we have an internal meeting of, okay, do we need to communicate this? And then it's like, at what time do we feel like, yes, this is the appropriate time where we need to say this. And then how much do we share? Uh, because, you know, there's still so much unknown of the fulfillment centers telling us this, will I be able to hit this deadline or not? Um, so, and then there's, you know, there's times where it's like, okay, we're deciding we're going to expedite these certain amount of orders. Uh, we're going to upgrade them to two-day shipping or one-day shipping. Uh, we're going to reach out to these customers that we feel like, you know, it's not fair how they've been impacted. So I think to your point, uh, as you started, as we started the conversation in terms of a premium brand experience, it's like, you know, what message would we want to receive if we were a customer of the brand? When would we feel like, okay, this is, you know, not what I signed up for. This is outside of the expectations of what I ordered. Um, and, you know, we're taking the pulse of, our entire team where it's like, you know, everyone kind of has different expectations of what they think is fair and, you know, how they go into purchasing from a brand. And so, you know, we're trying to take the pulse of our brand, of our team and then communicate that with our customers. 
You know, we're almost out of time, but one more question to wrap up. You talk a lot about Public Rec being a premium brand and you want to offer a premium customer experience. What are some other premium brands out there? What are some customer experiences you've had recently that have been fantastic, you know, where you thought, oh, this is exactly what I want the Public Rec customers to experience? It's a good question. Um... You know, I, I think I think Nordstrom uh, has kind of always done a good job. Uh, you know, I think shopping there, uh, their employees are, are helpful. Generally, my experience has been their employers are helpful. They understand um, the brands on their floor. They're pleasant to work with. Uh, they're thoughtful. And then it's like, you know, if you have an issue with a product or a purchase, they're always willing to understand. They're almost always willing to take it back. Um, they're very amendable. Um, so that's one company that stands out for me. Um, and then, like, you know, there are there are uh, pros and cons of interacting with Amazon. And when you purchase on Amazon, there are definitely benefits to, you know, prime shipping and getting it so quickly. And uh, But there are also times when it can be tough to, you know, if the package doesn't arrive or get in touch with the customer support. And so um, there are, I guess there are certain aspects from different brands that we kind of pull from and look to. Um, yeah, those are two. That's the, I mean, obviously, two massive companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Zach, it's been fantastic to talk with you. Thank you so much. I, I really think this conversation is going to be useful to a lot of e-commerce companies who are prepping up for the holiday season. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you both. Uh, I really enjoyed it.